What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another week, another episode of Courts Have Fracker, another week full of NBA news and, and bits and bobs that we've got to get through. Uh, it's myself, Yassine James, this week. I'm joined by Yarns and Reams. What's going on, boys? How you doing? How you doing, guys? You all right? Come on. Come on. Yes, yes. Courts Have Fracker. I'm here to cause problems. Straight. <laughs> oh, well, speaking of causing problems... I think the only thing that of, of housekeeping and, and news that maybe, maybe we want to touch on from last week is uh, the Lakers, you know, causing problems for Frank Vogel. Lakers have been getting headlines, uh, especially for Frank Vogel's decision recently to, to bench Russ, bench Westbrook for the last five, four minutes, 352 of 111-104 loss to Indiana, who've had their own mess of a season, uh, despite their back-to-back wins over Lakers and Golden State. Um, have been poor all year. Reams, just as someone who's been a big Russ fan for so, for so many years, do you want to do a better job than Canyon did last week of contextualising his struggles or, or are you as out as he is? Oh, uh, what I, I didn't catch last um, week. What, what, what was K's? Well, is it, I mean, I was like, where does he contextualise his legacy? You know, like, how's he doing this season? Is he being scapegoated? And then Canyon was just like, nah, yeah, nah, he's rubbish, he should go. So, I don't know, do you want to do better than... I was, I, it wasn't the Russ Venger back in that I thought it was going to be. Um, what is, so, what is actually your question? Do you think he's being unfairly scapegoated or is he, is he as big a problem as being benched um, for the, the crunch time of a game suggests? Um, I think his play... I think the roster in general is poorly constructed. Um, I think... The fit with him and LeBron isn't great, but like at the Lakers, you don't really have time to like figure anything out. Like they yeah, have like a fan base that doesn't doesn't really do growing pains very well. Um, I think his actual play has deteriorated rapidly to where now he isn't. Um, his like he, throughout his whole prime, he had his shortcomings that everyone would have let no one forget, but his strengths were good enough to outweigh shortcomings. Mm. So his athleticism in comparison to whoever he's matched up against, no one could stay in front of him, no one could stop him from getting to the rim. He had that pull-up elbow jumper. He was um, an, a great free-throw shooter. All of these things that made him such an unstoppable player in his prime, you don't really have any of those things anymore. Like They've all disappeared. Like, like As a Rust fan, I don't really have any exp- explanation for it because it's not like he's not still athletic. He's still athletic. He's not as athletic as he was. But yeah, you've seen yeah. it with a really good bed. He's still an athletic player, but he can't finish at the rim anymore. He can't shoot free throws anymore. His mid-range is gone. He was never a great three-point shooter in the first place. So, Do you see them trade? trade we've got, we got trade deadline coming up. Do you see them getting off that contract? Are they just going to stay wrong and strong and make no, it work? No, I, I, I don't because no one's going to take it. Like, let's be realistic. Russ's Russ's best bet now going forward in his career, he's got a player option coming up, 44 million. His best bet is to turn down that player option and try and make his uh, contract a bit more manageable. You can still, so like, in my opinion, like, if I was him, I'd probably try to split that 44 million up in a few years. Mm. So, like, a two year, 50 million or something like that, because 25 million on the wage bill was a lot easier to manage than 44 million. Um, the Lakers, I still think, I still think the West is wide open this year. Like, I don't, I'm, I don't know if I'm like all out on the Lakers. It kind of depends on how Anthony Davis looks when he comes back. Because uh, a team with a healthy LeBron and healthy Anthony Davis beating the, that team over seven games, regardless of who else is on the roster, isn't going to be easy. I think if they could get a healthy... Because another, another underrated aspect of the season that people are underlooking is when Anthony Davis was healthy, he wasn't playing good. Mm. Would, you agree, would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, he was having a historically low shooting season for anyone taking as many shots as he was. So if that was to was get worst, back to normal. He was the worst jump shooter in the league. He lost all his shame on defense. This is a defensive player of the year candidate player. He wasn't playing any defense. He was basically a net negative. So if you can get mm. Anthony Davis, Bob Anthony Davis back along with LeBron James, who's playing at MVP level now, that's still the two out of the five best players on the court in most series in the West. Um, with Westbrook right now, he's not playing great, and it's not a great fit. So it's 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 not it's not it's not it's not gonna look good. But like last year, anyone who watched him at the Wizards last year, he didn't really start playing great until maybe February. 
Mm, and then yeah, yeah. I mean, and the same with Houston, you know. So we touched on that was the yeah. one thing I think Canyon did do well to defend him. Uh, you know, a slow starter, etc., etc. But we'll yeah, see, so yeah. For, if you watch him last from March, from March to April, um, I think the Wizards went on an eighteen to five one run where Westbrook was like playing like <laughs> an MVP. He was averaging like twenty three, like twelve and twelve or something crazy. I don't think he's gonna do that this year because of LeBron James, but. Like there's his uh, history would dictate that he his form could pick up in the back end of the season. So if they can make themselves a trade, get themselves a Gary Trent Jr. or maybe a Jeremy Grant or uh, Justin Holiday, even if they get themselves a Justin Holiday and get AD back, um, still could do something in the West. But obviously right now it's not looking great. And I'm like, I'm I'm Westbrook's biggest. He's my favorite athlete of all time. But like I've watched basically his whole career and like. The player that I fell in love with, this isn't the player that we're mm. watching now. I think you, I think you bring a good point up about how open the West is as well. Like it's, it is up for grabs, and and I think just below, obviously, the onslaught of the Suns and the and the, the Jazz, everyone's much of a muchness. So, so yeah. Speaking of of Westbrook, although his his stock is as low as it maybe has ever been, he is still there uh, in the All Star voting fan return. So we got the third fan return coming back. Westbrook is sixth out of the Western Guards. So a, a quick little once over. LeBron made the headlines recently for getting the most votes in the league. Next up for most votes in the league straight after him was Steph, as is to be expected. Then KD, as is to be expected. DeMar DeRozan, most votes for guards, not named Steph Curry, even though he's not a guard. But hey, that shows you the, the impact of his season as Chicago. So, I mean, we've got this third fan return in, and I just kind of want to put it out there. Jans, what's, what's the biggest piss take here for you? Is, is Wiggins being eighth in the entire NBA for fan voting, for, you know, doing his role, doing it well, but his role? Kyrie and Clay being there despite missing most of the season, or Derek Rose, LaMarcus, Aldridge, and Melo, and, and people getting their, I don't know, legacy votes, just despite Rosie's now been injured for a few weeks. Uh, LaMarcus <laughs> Clay Thompson, yeah, I mean him and Kyrie. Which is the biggest, biggest piss take? Not that we put too much stock in Man. those things. Oh my god, bro! Like Rudy Gobert on five hundred eighty-three thousand nine hundred and seventy-six votes, considering Melo has one point five mil. <laughs> it's justice to everything I, think I love well, about the beautiful game. Yeah, and also it's like I mean now a lot of these votes are retweets. Like they literally are retweets. You could do double retweets they, they per made, day. They, 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 like, made it even e- they made it even easier. So it's even <laughs> worse. So you, you got people like so Clay is fourth in Western Guards and Wiggins is third in Western Front Court. That's a so, shambles. So the Dub Nation is on a madness right now in terms of They're on a skewing skewing everything. Um and you know what? Like I think I think the all-star game kind of takes us nicely into into a- Wiggins. Wiggins, AD, Draymond, Carmelo got votes than Cat. <laughs> they well, uh, do you know what? And then there's there's another another little link into what we're going to talk about. So I think I think this pod I, I wanted to speak to you two in particular because I think you know there's a lot of things going on this season, but there's been some real good good news stories. In some cases, it's, it's been prior to this season where the thing has started being built. So we got teams that are fun. People call it fun. What that kind of translates to is they're young and they're not finished growing and they're exciting to watch. And they, but they're good, but not quite good enough yet. Um, last year, the Timberwolves sort of started their rebuilding process and they're, they're getting back to where they want to be with, with Chris Finch taking over as coach. There was a real upturn from there. Garland uh, and Sexton starting the Sexland boom. Like This is the thing about Cleveland now. People forget last season, the start of the season, Cleveland had a little spurt like they have this year. The only difference is this year it's carried on. Um, and then Jans, your Charlotte Hornets, I think, have been the best team to watch in the last for the last two years of the NBA. So, so we're going to talk about those three a lot. And it, it, I just want to talk about those, those teams in particular. People talk about a big three, having their big three stars. I think these teams all kind of have their medium three in place where they're not there yet super, super stardom. We've got the medium threes where they could make that leap. So I think let's start with... Cleveland because they are linked to the All-Star Game. The All-Star Game is in Cleveland this year. All-Star voting stops January 22nd. Um, and, and in particular, I want to talk about just what you guys think of Cleveland so far. Like, obviously, they've kept consistency where they couldn't last year. Ricky Rubio's come in before the ACL tear was an amazingly uh, like veteran presence. He was, he was facilitating for everyone else. He would uh, 
change their play when he was on the court, off the court. Garland would change things up. Obviously, he had two bigs to work with. They had some good shooting performers earlier in the season. Reams, you've just seen the impact that Ricky Rubio can have on on a young player. Like Ant, Ant spoke quite glowingly about his influence. Uh, and then aside from that, they got Mobley. Mobley just come in third in the draft this season. Rick, uh, Reams, I went and listened to the last pod you and me did regarding any rookies. And you and me said he will probably end up better than a lot of them, but might take longer to settle into the league than a lot of them. And he just hasn't at all from day one. He's... Uh, so I, I, I thought... I thought... Defensively, he's going to be elite straight yeah, away. Yeah, defensively, we knew it. Defensively, we knew yeah. it. But we didn't know he'd be this polished this quick. Like, I was watching uh, the Chicago and the Brooklyn games that they've come off. And it's just a joke. Like, low post, turnaround, jumpers, whatever, play, playmaking out of post. So, I mean, Reams, you, 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 you said it. As someone who loved Mobley coming in like me, what have you taken from him? Let's start it with him. Uh, he's Listen, he's... He's, I, I loved him, as we said in, the, in that pod, like we both was like waxing lyrical about him, but like, you know when you have like an expectation for a player coming into the league, like what, how Mobley's playing now is maybe how I expected him to play in maybe in like year two, maybe coming towards year three, like offensively anyway, like he still doesn't have like the biggest role. So even as his role grows, we're going to see more about him, but like defensively special, like, like that's, he's one of the most, spe- he could be like all defense this year as a rookie. I think, mm. anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they're the third offensive. best defensive team in the league and he's a massive part of it. So, him, Jarrett, Allen, all of those, both of those guys can make it, to be honest. But, like, offensively, his game, his ability to pass, his, his, game, his, 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 his skill in the mid-range, you know, like, he, he's spacing the floor a little bit, you know what I mean? Like, everything looks smooth. Everything looks, there's, no, there's not been really any crazy growing pains that I expected to see. And, He's come into the league straight away as a winning player, which is like he's ahead of schedule in my opinion. Like, and like, because you know, everyone was worried about the size and stuff like that. Like, it, like he's not the broadest, even though he's very tall and very long. He isn't the the broadest, but none of there's I've not seen any of those issues. Like, he's a special player. He's, he's even better than I thought he was, and I thought mm. he was great. Yeah, hundred percent. I think I think Allen being there to take on maybe the beefier assignments has, has helped a little yeah. bit, but his timing of stuff is so good. I, I, him, him as a weak side defender, as a help yeah, side defender. Yeah, the help defender. It's a joke. <laughs> just, erase, just erasing shots. It's a joke. Like, and like uh, you, talk, you talked about, yeah. you talked about his threat from outside and being able to space it a little bit. He's, he's hovering around thirty percent on threes. He's been a bit above it, a bit below it this season, but that's in his rookie year. Yeah. He'll get better at that. And then I think some some people will. Want to know the, the, volume will in, the volume will increase as the well. The volume will increase 100%. He'll get more yeah. comfy with it, and, and the schemes will be made for it. And people will want to know, like, how Cleveland are looking in terms of they got Markin in there, they got Allen there, um, Jared Allen there, and then they got Mobley there. And I think Markin on a good night when he's shooting as well as he did against the Bulls the other night, for example, in their loss there. Um, and, and Mobley, they're good enough to space it. And then you've got Garland there as well. Garland is one I want to talk on massively as well. So just looking at the numbers with, with Garland is interesting obviously he would kind of play two roles when Rubio was fit he would he would bring the ball up and start without Rubio Rubio would come off and was a sneaky little six man of the year candidate he was the guy you had in mini but he could actually shoot this year which unfortunate for you was a was a, a new development but Garland was he was able to be off ball he was able to be on ball I found it really interesting looking at Garland's numbers since the Rubio injury so bef- before Rubio's injury Garland was on seven assists roughly a game 38% threes, uh, and the three looked unreal. This is on like seven a game. Since Rubio's been out, he's taken a lot more on. He's on about 20, 21, and, and 10-ish assists for the season. He's on nearly 11 assists since Rubio's gone out. Uh, the, three point, the three balls dropped. He's had to take a few more, less percentage, but it's just he's got a lot more responsibility now. How impressed have you been with, with uh, Garland's uh, a, a lot of his, well? uh, A lot of his, to, just to piggyback off that, a lot of his threes are off the dribble as well. Yeah, so they pull up, they're like uh, yeah, little yeah. little crossover and they're not easy yeah, free. Yeah. They're not easy free. So is is to contextualize like to contextualize that percentage on like what eight attempts a game, seven, eight attempts a game is, is still pretty good. Yeah, and I think it, you know what, you just brought up a really good point because the ones where Rubio was fit and he was having those thirty eight percent, they might be the ones that he comes off the screen and whatever. Yeah. Now yeah. he's having to create a little bit a little bit a little bit more. Jans, I, I don't know how much Garland you've watched, but I want to pivot over to you as a Charlotte fan because I, I, I said this on the Twitter the other day. He, 
he strikes me a little bit, not necessarily in play. I think he's already a better playmaker, nearly 11 assists a, a game in this month. Strikes me a little bit Kemba-ish in that he's a guy you want to do well. He's infectious. I think he's already a better playmaker and defender than Kemba is, which says a lot. Um, but where, where do you see Garland? And, and I guess centering it in, is he an all-star this year? It's in Cleveland. So you've got to think Jarrett Allen or him will get a nod. I think they won't maybe get Mobley in there just yet. But no, I think he, I don't think they'll make it as starters for the vote. So I think it will be a coach decision. I think it will be at least one of Garland or Allen. Do you think it's going to be Garland? Do you think it should be? I think both of them. Are. Sorry, you, you were asking. Me. All right. Garland, do you know what? He's much better. He's much better at manipulating in the half court than, uh, than Kemba. Do you know what? Garland gives me a little bit of Steve Nash. Yeah, same. Gives me a little bit of Steve Nash. And, you know, the way he the way he can score now, his float is nice. Like, I don't think he'll be an all-star. You just don't, you don't get to be an all-star after, you know, this short period of time playing well. I think Jarrett Allen gets to know if someone from Cleveland has to. Short period of time? Have you played well all season? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, but do you know what I mean? That's his first season doing so. That is a short period of time. Do you know what? I think I think it's a good point you've made. I think he was really good last year, but the wins weren't there. I think he he's better this year. He is better. Like I think he's way more aggressive scoring, um, and he, his numbers are all going up. Even defensively, I don't think he's great, but I don't think he's bad. I think he is better. He's got a bigger role, but they're winning, and so the eyes are there. Um, they are, man. But why? Why Allen? Though? Why Allen? Why Allen? Why Allen instead of Garland for the nod? My my stock into Jared Allen's. High as hell, man. This guy's have an incredible season. His dominance inside at times is just something we're not really seeing. His ability to, to rebound. You'll watch games the first quarter. Allen will have 10 points and Cleveland are just going to him. And what, what it is is that they're going to him and letting him go to work, which is crazy because you're just not seeing big men have that in their locker. Across the league, how many big men are really, you know, frequently guy, like being given the keys or being given the ball down low to literally go to work? And that kind of just speaks to how well Darren's playing. That speaks to what kind of bag he's got going on. You saw little glimpses of it in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, well, Brooklyn fans were obviously gutted to see Jarrett Allen go because they, they knew that he had a little bit in his locker. Hey, man, if, they had Bro- if, if, if Brooklyn had Jarrett Allen right now, ah. it would be a different story. <laughs> Be a different story. Although, yeah, and even that trade again, like I don't know how Cleveland had to get involved. I guess with the pick remuneration, or whatever. I don't know how Houston came out with nothing, and I don't know how Cleveland get got managed to come into that deal out of nowhere, facilitate a little pick move, and then somehow get Allen, and they've done very, very well, well out of that. Allen you know, thought it's worth five hundred thousand ish, sixth in the front court voting of fan returns for the All Star game so far. There you go. There you go, man. The Nets, they just wanted to do anything they could to get James Harden. If it meant sacrificing Karras Levert and Jarrett Allen, then it, it had to be done. But this Cleveland team, the three seven-footers in the lineup, Mobley, Markkinen, and uh, Jarrett Allen. I think, Allen, I think Allen might actually be the shortest of those three. I'm not 100%. I think he actually might be the shortest I, of three. Markkinen's like seven one or something crazy like that. Af- Afro's doing him wonders. Bro, Afro bro helps, yeah. this, man, this man has a massive Afro. Good analysis, Yarns. Like Good analysis. You know what I mean? Like, how can how can this guy not be an all star? <laughs> Bashido Brown, in, in for sure. Like, I mean, right. So, I mean, this kind of centers around to it. We got Garland and Allen, cusp of all stardom. Um, you've got Markin in there, who was a little bit of a distressed asset. It looks like it could be a decent, savvy little signing. Isaac Okoro. Uh, another top five draft pick who has has looked good. The offense is raw. They need to hope that he can just become a really good corner three guy. But then this is where we come to now with this whole thing of the pod. Everyone loves Cleveland. Everyone's like, oh my God, they're great. Third best defense in the league. La, la, la. Fourth best uh, record, I think, in the East right now. Um, and then in, in Allen and Mobley and those two guys and Garland, they've got pick and roll just for days. I think Garland is right in there as a pick and roll ball handler. There's 14, 15 guys who, who have eight or more a game. Um, and Garland is, is slap bang in the middle of people. Um, he's only behind like the Trays, Jars, uh, Chris Paul, DeMar, Lillard and Mitchell. But he's ahead of people like Doncic, Fox, Shea. DeJounte on points per game pick and roll, which shows you the eliteness he's running with. And, and it helps when you've got the bigs of the quality of those two 
Um, but what next? I guess this is the thing. When does fun become for real? Because I can, uh, like, I find Atlanta a really interesting case study for this. Okay, everyone's been missing guys this year. Atlanta have missed some guys. DeAndre Hunter coming back has been big for them lately. But Atlanta were that fun team last year. Got to a conference finals. Arguably had the easier uh, um, side of the, the playoff bracket. They didn't have to go through a Milwaukee or a Brooklyn. And now look, like, do you know what I mean? They've, they've hit that Eastern Conference final and they're not going to get there again, it looks likely. Um, when does fun become for real? What do these, these teams need? So in Cleveland's instance, we don't know what's going to happen with Colin Sexton. They might, they might extend him. They might sign and trade him. They might just let, him, let another team overpay. What, what do this team kind of need next? And what bridge do they need to cross from just being a fun exciting watching Garland the fastest kid alive and Mobley you know do what he's doing so like for, for, for fun teams to become contenders all your best players need to make that jump from fringe all star star player to superstar level player like and or you need to bring in a superstar level player, which I doubt they'll do. Like this Cleveland rebuild has been pretty organic through the draft and trades and whatnot. So for them to become, Darius Garland's been very good this season. For them to become a contender, he needs to become great. Like Trey Young went from like, Trey Young, like right now, I'd say is great. Like Luka Doncic, I'd say is great. Like Darius Garland right now is good. Like, you know what I mean? Evan Mobley needs to make that next leap. He's already an elite defender. He needs to become an elite offensive player as well. Right now, he's been he's ahead of schedule as an offensive player. He needs to become a great offensive player. Jarrett Allen, where he is right now, is fine. Um, I think they need another wing. Another wing. Yeah, Lowry Markinen is Lowry Markinen is fine, but having like a seven foot two guy chase around wings is in the playoffs is not. That's wh- that's why <laughs> people mention people mention Sexton. Oh, Sexton's out, and I'm I'm thinking Sexton's gonna stay. I think sign and trade for him if you can get someone high on him to get in. They won't a, lose Sexton for free. They've, they've invested in his development. They won't yeah, lose Sexton. I think I think sign and trade with a wing there is 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 their way because as much as this triple tower seven footer thing is great in a regular season. I'm interested in a playoff setting whether they just tempt them out and get inside. I don't know. I think there's probably the most interested I am in seeing how these teams stack up in a playoff setting. Garland is amazing in terms of just coming off screens and some off the dribble freeze and, and pick and roll. I'm interested to see what he does now when a really good defensive team decides, okay, we're not going to let you have the pick and roll. We're going to have Joel Embiid standing right in it. And and Garland's shortcomings right now is the fact that he's quite small. He's a small guard, so that makes it a little bit difficult with him in terms of getting to the rim. Um, obviously, when he gets into the paint, he has loads of counters. He has his little float game. He has little runners in the lane. He has loads of different little savvy counters, but those are difficult shots, and they're going to get harder in the playoffs. You know what I mean? So they need probably a guy that puts a bit more pressure on the rim, maybe. Obviously, they got... Jarrett Allen and Evan Mobley who are elite role men but in terms of like in, in terms of it creation they might need another a wing that could maybe put a bit more pressure on the rim Garland might get even better like if you look at someone like Trey Young John Morant those guys are like Trey like John Morant he's more athletic he's a bit bigger but he's an elite scorer in the paint just because he has so many different counts he has so many different savvy moves up and on, there's pump fakes, floaters, everything like that. So if, if Garland can make a development like that, I think they should be looking at a guy like, I don't know, like a, maybe like a Harrison Barnes like that. Maybe might help out. Jeremy Grant, I don't know what, I don't really, I don't really know how much is out there. But Cam Reddish would have been nice. Um, but yeah, so something like that, I'd say. And again, yeah, you said... Yeah, Okoro, Reddish Okoro. is a shout. Reddish is a shout. I'm surprised because I'm surprised that... I know, obviously, he forced the move a little bit, but uh, the, the price was pretty low for Reddish. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think you bring up the right point, which is the thing that will run through the rest, is this internal development for a lot of these teams because they're not destinations. They're not LA. They're not New York. Um, Garland, I think, as well, on the organicness of the development, touched on a really interesting thing about this is the first time Cleveland's really going to have anything post-LeBron and, and it's something to be excited about. I think Mobley is the one who who they can really sort of pin their hopes on. And I think this is the most interesting team to see in a postseason setting. 
It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Another interesting team to see in a postseason setting. I thought they might get there last year. Gordon Hayward spending more time on a hospital bed than, than on the court, as, as is his thing to do since, since the leg break kind of scuppered that, is Jan's your Charlotte Hornets. I should say our Charlotte Hornets, because while I don't support them, they are probably my favourite team that I do not support. I feel I'm, I'm more obliged to watch the Celtics these days. I enjoy watching in, in Charlotte. Um, although what I will say is expectations are killer because if you look at our medium three, they're Jalen Brown, they're 25, Rob Williams, 23, Jason Taylor, 23. So we've got our own little medium three going on. But Charlotte, talk to me. I'm, I'm interested as well in relation to um, Cleveland. Like Cleveland have a clear sort of, of uh, track towards contention where they need Mobley to become one of the best players in the league. They need Garland to get to the rim a bit more, keep, keep as effective as he is off the dribble. What is Charlotte's road to real contention? And who is the medium three for Charlotte? Because obviously it's Lamelo, But then you kind of got Hayward on the big money, but Rosier is the big shot maker. But then Oubre is a really good two-way guy this season. And then Miles Bridges is looking like the MIP. Maybe, maybe even an all-star. He's in at least the voting. He's at least it's, a medium of four and a half. <laughs> it's, it's definitely Lamelo and Mark Bridges, and then it's a toss-up between Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward. Terry Rozier's had a crazy like January, crazy January, just five out of six games hitting twenty points plus. So he's just having he's just having a bit of a purple patch at the moment. So I guess I'll stick Terry in there. But Gordon's my boy. High stock in Gordon Hayward. Agendas are very high right now. For me, on Mobley, Jarrett Allen, Gordon Hayward, fantasy team, top of the league, baby. You know how it is. Okay. It's been a great All season. Right. All right. You know what I mean? mean? I, won't, I won't lie. Last season, I got attached to Garland for the same reason. He was just a constant fantasy <laughs> output. You say, you, say, you say Terry's had a good January. He was a massive shot maker late in games last season. Huge highlights of him. He's 39%, 38-9% on eight threes a game for the season this year. So he's, he's not just a, a short purple patch. He's a go-to guy down the stretch a lot. He had a, a lovely game, I can't remember who it was against recently, where Lamelo was out 
and he just was able to bring it up and play make because I mean he was seen as a point guard originally. I think he's found his home now as a two guard really at Charlotte, he's allowing Lamelo to be yeah. the main guy. But but oh, Charlotte had a massive week again. We talk about postseason and and kind of laying down markers. Cleveland uh, got a win against a Kyrie and James Harden playing Brooklyn, which was huge. Then they lost to Chicago and got a little bit undone by Demar and Vooch. Lamelo and and Charlotte have beaten the Bucks twice, the Celtics. Um, you've had a good another good two weeks. You've got another few wins that I'm probably forgetting. How confident are you in the postseason? And and Mars Bridges as well. How legit is his jump? Because he's he's essentially gone up from a thirteen point a game guy to a twenty point a game guy. There was a little bit of a skew there to the early thirty point games, but he's one of the only guys to go Madison Square Garden and get thirty eight. He's in a very esteemed company there. What's his development saying? How has the development of all your pieces got you feeling about postseason basketball in Charlotte? Yeah, man, it's such an interesting time for Charlotte. Like. As you said, the last two years have been really exciting. Uh, Terry Rozier, obviously, coming from you lot. You know, for context, just, there was, you know, a time two and a half years ago, we were sitting there thinking, where could this Charlotte, like, this Charlotte team going to go? So then they give the big money to Terry Rozier, three years, 60 million, 20 a year. Cool, you're sitting there thinking, that's far too much money for Scary Terry to take him away from Boston. Incorrect. Absolutely fine, that. Gordon Hayward, you bring him into the building. You lot got robbed. Bang. Mr. Injury Prone himself, white boy supreme, inside the building. Suddenly, Charlotte are starting to put together some legit players, guys that are bordering on vets, into the building. And, okay, we're starting to build a bit of a culture with some good players in and around. Suddenly, you add Lamelo Ball into that mix, and it's all kinds of problems. You're seeing the firework now. I will answer your question on Miles Bridges. Crazy, though. Most improved players are massive shout. Desmond Baines in that. There's a few other guys. I don't think second-year players should win most improved player. That's just my personal opinion. For sure. No, I don't think so either. No, you're right. Um, but by and large, Miles Bridges being able to dominate the way he is, the way he's getting downhill is crazy. The way he's, hit, he's hitting his catch and the shoots is lovely. He's even got a little bit off the pool. Like... Do you know what I, I mean? Seen, I, seen, I, seen him hit a pull, I seen him hit a pull up three the other day. He, you know, he's yeah, there was shooting. a few between the leg little, little, hezzy <laughs> threes at, at Madison Square Garden. I was like, okay, Miles, all right, I know. then. I know. So, so he, he could space the floor vertically and he could space the floor with the shooting now as well. Like, that's a, that's no. a great bit. Like, watching this guy, the, it's, I cannot believe how well it's gone. And sometimes you really do just get the perfect storm. With the Hornets having Lamelo Ball, Miles Bridges, Mr. Frequent Flyer Miles, uh, with Lamelo Ball and Eric Green on commentary, and I think with Ter- and, and another important point is Terry Rozier. He's one of those guys. He's one of those like fearless shot makers that you need, like Bro. in big games, like, like one of those guys that don't get ever get scared. It don't matter who he's playing against. Like, yeah, yeah, believe- yeah. And he'll take every he'll, shot he makes is going to go in. He'll take, he'll take a late, really late shot clock, buzzer team. beater in the corner. He'll take whatever. Like, I was going to say, Ubre is uh, hitting the big shots as well and blowing his weird little kisses to the other bench. But Terry's are ridiculously ISO heavy, off the dribble, like, clock shot clock going down. Ubre though as well. Like, in terms of spacing, you've got Bridges now spacing it. Ubre's hitting... I think eight threes, eight threes against Detroit last week. Like it's a very, yeah. very nicely right. balanced roster. That, the only thing oh. I will say is I'm not sure. Paying everyone will be interesting. You got Cody Martin's playing well. PJ Washington's his shots deserting him a little bit lately, but he's he's doing well. And you got uh, we talked a little bit before we came on. You got JT Thor. You got Book Knight. You got Kai Jones. You got rookies who aren't really able to develop because your uh, yeah. rotation what, what, what is, is so it, solid. What is it with what is it with Borrego and not playing rookies? <laughs> just doesn't fancy it too tough does he he, uh, he had his arm twisted on Lamelo. yeah like he didn't even want to give Lamelo no, no minutes really he used to take him out the fourth quarter every time like he likes his vets but I'm just I'm loving the mesh of the team and you know you got guys like and, and there's times bro where Gordon Haywood really like you remember you almost remember oh like do you know what I mean he's kind of the father here do you know what I mean? I like, think you guys can use another big man, though. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, well, this is this every. I'm I, in a way. I'm glad that Mars Turner has got a little injury, partly as a rival fan. It, 
he would have been a good fit there, but also it just was the only name I constantly saw linked for the last year and it was just getting boring. I'd like to see something a bit else. But Mason Plumley, not really who you want to be starting there, especially in the postseason. So how, how do you see them adapting? Like we talked on Cleveland, it'll be stodgy defence and they might lose the transition a bit and have to rely on the pick and roll. What, what are Charlotte going to look like if they get there? And what's their version of, of fun to for real? Well... You know, we looked at it last year. We made the play-in. You know, Charlotte make the play-in with effectively a similar kind of roster. We didn't have Kelly Oubre and we had last version of Miles Bridges and last year's version of everyone for that matter. We didn't make it. So, is it going to be different this year? Well, there's been development. Like you just said, it's last year's versions. There's been noticeable development. It is. Most times the most important thing is players that's making a jump. <laughs> so, so, now we've gone from... Charlotte ain't really going to be a problem if they get past the play-in and make the eighth seed. So now, I don't really think you want that much of a problem with Charlotte. I don't really think you want to touch them too tough because they'll sting you. The only problem is, are you going to be able to... You, there's, I just don't really see a way of coaching yourself out of having Mason Plumlee starting at centre. It's not really on. Do you know what I mean? Like, as much as we love Mason Plumley and how sneaky athletic he is and how great it is to have a, do you know what I mean? Just some big white dude in it centre. Great stuff. He, big he could pass. He could pass as well. And, and, he, yeah. and this <laughs> motherfucker in Denver's offence was diamond. I'm telling yeah. you, this boy can pass. He really can. He really can pass. Nice yeah. But, you know, it's, it seems quite simple. And a less ugly Cody Zeller. A less ugly Cody Zeller. A less ugly Cody Zeller, very much so. And I've been through the Cody Zeller experience. But do you, do you, do you, think, do you think they're going to make a move? Like you, might, you will be more in tune in terms of like trade links and this and the other. Are Charlotte just relying on the... Because PJ Washington, I quite like when they try to go small with, with uh, Jaden McDaniels, Jalen's older brother and PJ Washington. I quite like that when they go small, I think it fits them. Or do they need to or are likely going to move, move, move something in I don't really know where you go with the moves. Um, well, you've got plenty of rookies to... that you don't seem to play that would be snapped up by yeah. a lot of other teams. Yeah, someone sure. will take Kai Jones, someone will take Boot Knight. Someone I, don't will give... sure. I don't know if you want to give up Boot Knight, though. That that will look bad in a few years. I do think a Miles Turner would come in and immediately make us yeah. really quite problematic. Jakob Pearl. Pertle is a great yeah. shout. Pertle is a great shout. And now, yeah, Spurs don't generally do... I, I heard recently, like, because we were involved in a little... We got Bobo and, and uh, PJ Dozier. We were both injured with a salary dump. But I heard recently that how rare it is for the Spurs to do a mid-season trade. So, Jakob Pertle will be a really interesting one. I, um, I, I, think, I think another interesting name to look at would be Rashawn Holmes as well. Well, yeah, Sacramento seem like they're sellers as well. I mean, they're not. Yeah, it's really, uh, I, I, yeah. I, you you could you could you could make a package for Rashawn Holmes. I think Sacramento would look at it, especially if they're looking to trade De'Aaron Fox. Like, if you like put Boot Knight in that trade, and they might look at building on like a Halliburton Boot Knight backcourt for the future. Yeah, I mean, if they're looking to, I don't know how high the stock Boot Knight right now, dog. Like, real, real talk is. It's not going to be that high right now with limited playing time. Well, yeah, I get that, but Rashawn Holmes is like, I guess the if I'm a salesman and I'm and I'm ringing Sacramento up, book night is not going to have huge stock, but the, you you don't know where the ceiling is. With Rashawn Holmes, you know exactly what you're getting, and Sacramento, if they're really pivoting to this Tyrese Halliburton sort of timeline and a shopping Fox for Simmons and stuff like that, which is what all the rumors seems to think, I think that I think that's a great shot, Rings, in terms of uh, a really serviceable. Tough big man who, who could could do a mass. Uh, a oh, bro, I love that guy. I can't lie, Rashawn Holmes. What a player! The man who never misses floaters. He's Ever since great... I saw him in Philly, he's like one of those the best players you never watched. Like, trust me, bro. When I see him in Philly, I'm just sitting there thinking, "There's something about this guy, bro." And then he just kept on making plays and plays and plays. Now he's doing the same thing in Sacramento, and. He got slapped with a 10-day cheese in the bubble for going to pick up his Deliveroo and crossing the line. <laughs> Remember that? And then man had to isolate because he broke the rules. Just trying to get that. a cheese delay. 
he's Rashawn Holmes is one of those guys that like you know he's gonna you, you give him the ball in the paint he's gonna finish everything. He's like one of those like you know Valentunis, Brandon Clark, like you know those guys in the paint like they're gonna finish everything like, and that's just he's one of those guys that you could like make three reliable plays in a row, three reliable like, like three really? reliable plays in a row. Yeah, like. He can. I think like, as well. Yeah, I, I, I have this kind of thing, yeah, where like, like when I watch Zion Williamson, right? Like there's this thing that Zion does where like, he does this like inside out dribble off of screen. Yeah. Gets to the rim. And I'm, and I'm like, when I'm watching it, I'm like, run that play every time until it doesn't work. Like, and then you do something else. Yeah, yeah run, run it four times in a row if you have to, until it doesn't work, run that play because that's an unstoppable play. Like, you know what I mean? And Rishon Holmes just like roll, short roll, into the paint, flow, uh, short roll, lay up. Like, he's finishing it every time. So I think the big problem as well is if you're looking to, we just talked on Cleveland, and Cleveland won't have this issue so much. If you're in the East and you want to do anything, you need to, be, you have to defend against the big in most good matchups. You're going to have to face Embiid. You're going to have to face Yanis. You're going to have to have a body in there who can take a bit of punishment and be, be, some sort of resistance at the rim. And that's where I'd worry for Plumlee. Plumlee can get into foul trouble very, very easily. He's, he's, you know, he's okay. But I think they, with Zella, with Plumlee, like you, and Bismack Biombo, like you, you can't be starting these second-rate centres, I think, in the East. I don't think in the West you have that much of that problem. Aiton is great, cool, cool, cool. But I think you can go small in the West and get away with it. I don't think that's the same. Bro, we, was giving, we were giving Biombo... Very, very decent minutes. And yeah, it was, it was shocking. Centering. It was shocking. Like, I loved him, though. But And now he's the third string, third string centre in Phoenix, right? So that's exactly what it, We just haven't you had a good a lot of years for a long time. <laughs> a real, real, a real <laughs> cult hero. When did, Dwight, when, when did you have Dwight Howard? What year was that? What? Aye, that was, <laughs> I want to say, I want to say, 2018. Was it 2018? <laughs> Maybe 2017. I remember you guys had Dwight for that. That was a good era. <laughs> that was Dwight. a era. <laughs> no, let me hark you back to the Charlotte Bobcats. Al Jefferson. What a player. That's all I've got. <laughs> what a player. What a boy. Al yeah, Jefferson. Sure. So, yeah, no, no good big men for a while for Charlotte. Perhaps time to slap a little... Dealing, get someone in. You know what I mean? Wheeler dealer, not fucking Wheeler dealer. I got, I got high stops in Kai Jones, though. Yeah, I really liked Kai Jones in college. I, he, I guess, Reams, he was one that I was more sure was going to take time. Like, he even wasn't starting in college. Like, he was very, very raw. But yeah. he would flash these things that you're just like, wow. Explosive athleticism. Wow. Like. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and explosive. Then he, nice stroke on the shot. He had a few little turnaround fadeaways and stuff. And it was just like, whoa. But... That is one Something that I think was gonna <laughs> yeah. take gonna take a lot of time for sure. But Boot Knight, I was I'm a bit disappointed that he got picked by someone who wasn't playing him. I think he could have he could have had a Duarte kind of level impact on the right team if it was more a hundred percent, hundred percent. That's that's disappointing. But we'll we'll see yeah. we'll see how that. We'll, I mean, listen, trade deadline coming up. We'll see we'll see if that changes. I think I think he's not someone you want to give away. But if if I think there'll be a lot of teams calling after him. I mean, we've talked Charlotte there. Yeah, definitely. We've talked, we've talked Cavs and. Hey, Cleveland listen. Sometimes and... get sometimes sometimes getting drafted. So... I was What's just that? gonna say sometimes getting drafted on a good team is like the the worst thing that could happen to a rookie. Yeah. You look at a guy like Jonathan Kuminga. Jonathan Kuminga on another team could be having a Scotty Barnes type of season. Like maybe he's the same level yeah. of talent. But... And he's <laughs> just instead he's being do do the dogs work at small ball five for the Warriors. <laughs> It's tough. Exactly. He was he was a star in high school. What's happening? But yeah, I mean, do you know what? It's a really interesting point. Like this is where I think the problem is with um this, the Celtics perception a little bit. Where like you and me have talked a little bit about this, Reams. Where Anthony Edwards has probably had more practice midway through his second season as a point of attack ball handler, being able allowed to make his mistakes on a losing team. Jalen Brown's like twenty five years old making these mistakes because he's had to watch Kyrie. Haywood, Kemba, Isaiah Thomas. He's, he's had to watch these guys have all the ball. And, and now he's, yeah. he's four, five, five years, six years into the league and he's only just really being given that responsibility. So I think it's an interesting one about like 
you know, whether it's better to come into a winning situation and learn that way or be able to play through your mistakes. Talking of Ant Edwards, we've talked on Lamelo, talked on the Charlottes, talk, talk on people's development in their second year. Ant has just seemed to just go up a little bit in everything, which is all we really needed from him. Reeves, tell us about Minnesota, because I personally see Minnesota maybe not as, you know, brand new, young. They've got Cat there who's, you know, been there a little while. So not as brand new and exciting as a Cavs or a Charlotte. But I think they have their own medium three in Russell, Edwards, Cat. You've got some good little fringe role That's players like in and around the most that. medium three in the league. Yeah, it was very, very medium free. But what? But I think I think the, there's numbers that suggest that there's a there's a really nice thing going on in in Minnesota. Top ten defense this season. Twenty eighth best thought? defense. Twenty eighth best defense last year. Twenty fifth best offense last year. Since the turn of the year this year, so we're talking only January. It's ten, eleven games. Second best offense in the NBA, tied with Brooklyn. So there's clearly really? a lot I, going I, I, right. I, 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 didn't, I didn't even know that. <laughs> there's clearly a lot going right. I mean, they, they haven't always translated to wins, but I think there's enough there that, like, there's good pieces there. Okay, yes, D'Angelo and Kat are further along in age. You know, they're on bigger deals, everything like that. But I feel like with Ant there, I feel like because he's in the Lamelo draft, I feel like, and he's not, you know, Lamelo. I feel like he's gone slept on as a number one pick. I see, He. I mean... He snuck into the All-Star voting again, uh, this year, which is, is quality for him. He's the 10th in guards in, in the West. But I think Ant is slept on as a prospect. Like People talk about Garland and Labello and people like that. I think Ant's massively slept on. So there's clearly enough good stuff going on there. Chris Finch, bloody good rep. Seems to have had a, a real impact. What's happening in, in Minnesota? And, and, okay, look not saying title contention, but how far off from what needs to happen to become a solid playoff, perennial playoff contender in the in the West who can at least be like the Portland of the last few years where you're always good for a second round? Um, few things. I think, as I said, I always say like, and is made a nice step up from his rookie year. Next year, he needs to make another step again. Naturally, he's 20 years old. That, that'll happen. Um, I don't know how high our ceiling is with D'Lo as a part of the medium three. I think ideally what I'd want is to build around Ant and Cat offensively and have other, like, have like maybe like an elite playmaking point guard that could play defense. Yeah. So, so are, like are you in? Are you in the Simmons? Are you in the Simmons mix or not? Are you out on Ben? We, we we we. I think we've been the main team since the since like the pop like since the postseason. We've been the main team in the Simmons trade, but I think like nothing we've had to offer has interested Daryl Morey. I don't think he's interested in D'Angelo Russell. That's that. I don't think he's interested in D'Angelo Russell as like the main part. He's thrown in. Bro, I think we've thrown. He's I think we've offered that. Bradley Bill we, in there, man. We've offered everyone on our roster except for Ant and Cat. I'm talking Jaden McDaniels, Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell. All these guys that will have like will be a good good players on like contending teams. You're telling me he's not having Jordan McLaughlin. He's not having Jordan he's not having Jalen Noel. I wouldn't give up Jalen Noel right now. That's our best player off the bench. But the um, the Minnesota have a lot our team is young, like even though Cat and D'Lo's been in the league for a while, like look at the rest of the team. You've got Jordan Vanderbilt who's like the second coming of Dennis Rodman, he's 22 years old. Jalen Noel, 21 years old. Nas Reed, 21 years old. Jaden McDaniels, 20, 21. You know what I mean? Like, I, young, like we never had yeah. any vets. Like, one thing we never had is vets. And we got our first vet in Pat Beverly this season. And like, the whole culture of the team has changed. Like, we're hustling, we're playing defense. You What's the I mean? uh, like, crack with Noel? With Noel? So he started the season out of the rotation. What type of player is he? He is a he's he's a, he's a shot maker, man. He's a shot. Really? Like, think Terry, think Terry Rozier, Terrence Ross. Get to the rim, dunk it, floaters. Six, he's about six four. He's a he's a he's a he's, a, he's not that season, but six four. He's like quite a big guard, like probably around the same size as like a Bradley Bill. Nice. You know what I mean? Um, 
he could just really score it, man. And, I, and like, he's not just like shooting threes off the dribble. Like, what we've what we've done in in recent months is like we've kind of empowered him to put the ball in his hand. And he's like, um, you did you watch a game against Boston when all our guys was out with COVID? Yes, I'm, I'm, sure I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be totally honest with you. <laughs> I woke up that morning, saw that we lost to a Greg Monroe masterclass. And I refused to watch. I just didn't. I found I just refused to watch it. But then I saw. I saw that Noel had a, a quality game, and it was the classic Monroe saying, "Yeah, he played amazing." I don't know who he is. No idea. Who he is, afterwards, yeah. he's, he's third year guy, right? And he's he's never really yeah, so, got above 15, 16 minutes a game. No. So last year, last year, last year, he played quite a lot. He played about around nineteen minutes because obviously we had Dilo was out for a while. Cat was out for okay, a while. Okay. Okay. Um, but this season, like yeah, as I said, he started he started the season out of the rotation, and like with the whole COVID thing, like when he came in, like we just realized that this is a guy like in big moments. He's kind of like Terry Rose. He could just put the ball in his hands and he'll make a play. He'll make a play. He'll get to the rim, hit a floater, turn around jumper. You know what I mean? He'll hit a big free when you need it. So he's just one of those guys that every playoff team needs, just a spark plug, like a off the bench that's gonna give you some instant offense and like. He's just really confident. He's just a really confident guy, you know what I mean? Love. So, and, like, I love your roster, man. I love that Timberwolves roster. Like, you guys just got Malik Beasley, casually. Yeah. But, do you know what? Malik Beasley, um, he's actually been, like, one of the biggest disappointments this season. He has. In terms of, like, like his, like, his one job is to shoot high volume of threes at a good clip. Like, he shot the most threes in the league outside of Steph Curry and Buddy Hield, and he's shooting, like, 32%. So, so he's taking a lot of frees and not making very many of them. It's not dropping. Yeah, it's so dropping. It, so like that's not that's less than ideal because he's not going to play elite defense. He's not going to play make. You know what I mean? So all we need him to do is hit his frees. Last year he shot about forty percent. He's one of the best he shooters. Reams, you kind of touched on it there, <laughs> which is why, which is why I think the Timberwolves situation has a bit of potential, right? And this kind of leads me into the next question. But you've got. Beasley, if the if the shot starts falling, will be uh, appealing to someone. You've got a lot of young pieces. It'll be appealing to rebuilding teams. D'Angelo, D'Angelo looks like he's had a decent year. Um, like he's, 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 been, he's, he's been he's been really he's been since he's come back from COVID, he's been really good. Yeah, and he's, he's hey, playmaking and, a lot, and, and he's facilitating and, and, more than he ever has. And he's trying on defense this year, which is like more than like. But I guess my question, my question is, Reams, is obviously there's been a big ownership change. So you have pieces there to kind of, you know, be active in the market and, and move things around. Do you see what's, the ownership or the front office? The yeah, do you think there's a desire to do it? Because, like, if we're being real, there's a lot of teams in the NBA are just, their ownership are just content with them just being in the NBA. They don't really want to compete. Is is there a culture change from the top down? Yeah, hundred percent, man. I think there's a. I think like guys like Cat and Ant, like they feel like Anthony Edwards probably thinks he's the best player in the world. Like, like he, and he, he he's always does. Like he thinks like when I hit my stride, stride, I'm gonna be the best player in the NBA and I'm gonna win championships. And Cat has always kind of been. You know what I mean? Even though, even, even if his play hasn't reflected that, he, he, these are guys that think very highly of themselves. So they feel like they should be, Cap feels like he should be up there with the Embiid's and the Jokic's of the world in terms of like reputation. But like the winning has never really reflected that. So I think at, at, at present, I feel like the front office feel like they have a core of star players, the medium three, that eventually is going to develop into a championship core. And they're trying to put all the pieces around that. So we got a Jarrett Vanderbilt, who's an elite defender, elite rebounder. We got Jaden McDaniels, elite defender. We're waiting for the um the offensive game to catch up, like what he showed when he was in high school. McDonald's All American, five star recruit, but the defense straight away has been elite. We got Pat Beverly, that's that that vet, that hustle guy, that spark plug. You know what I mean? That that emotional leader that you need. But my only concern is D'Lo. I I don't think there's any more. I don't. Like Adilo as a player, I don't feel like I don't see where any new development is going to come from. Yeah, I think like for the rest of his career, it's going to be no, more. more you know what? I'd love to talk about Adilo because is there another team in the NBA where effectively what is the third best player on a team has such a hero ball green light? Uh, Charlotte. <laughs> Maybe. 
the way D'Lo will just... He's the guy. He's the guy that wants to take all the shots down the stretch. He's the, down the stretch, this boy, this motherfucker. And do you know what? He'd be making them, you know. The problem with D'Lo, I think, the thing, yeah, he, he's always been a good, even in Brooklyn, good tough shot maker. Like, but I, I get you in that. I get, unless you're an elite, elite, elite offensive player, I, I don't know if God is the best guy. Yeah, which he's good and he's a tough shot maker and he's a he's looked better as a playmaker. But I, like looking at the okay. winning teams. That can't be your top guy unless you're a part of a, a real, real system. So that's where I think Ant is the real beacon of where he goes. He's the, yeah. the difference between a, a good player and a star is consistency. Like, D'Lo, one, one night will look like an all-star, then the next night he'll go four of, like, 19. Like, it's just... Wait, those have, nights. Just, they those stink. nights. We're losing those nights. Like, Bro, I think, they stink. I think there's a stat, like, every time D'Lo, like, shoots... Like 50% and makes and scores 20, like we're like 19 and three or something crazy like that. Like every so basically, essentially, every night he has a good night, we win, and every night he doesn't, we lose. So, like, if we could have some consistency from him, then maybe we'd have something cooking. But is, is, just is, can't. There, is there evidence of him like having bad shooting nights but being able to kind of double back and right, I'm gonna just play this game a different way, or is he just pure green light? I've got to score my way out of this. Um, there's there's some nights he'll have a bad shooting night, but you'll have like 14 assists on like three turnovers, which is pretty great. But just like he shoots so much and the times when he shoots, like he always shoots like when we need like a a, a momentum three or something like that. <laughs> he won't make it. You know what I mean? So he, he, he can be frustrating on his bad nights. Terrible. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. And on his good nights, like... They're, they're, saying, they're saying that he's like the communicator quarterback or like the middle linebacker for this team. Like he just, he's the one that's supposedly this year stepped up D'Angelo Russell communicator telling everyone what positions to get in rotations etc etc yeah, yeah. and uh, so you know I'm alright with it I guess and you know, you said if he's getting 14 assists and, and free turnovers the ratio is nice we knew he was a good passer coming out of Ohio State it looked pretty but the scoring and the passing it, it's, it's still not enough alright to wrap to wrap, Reams, I'm going to ask you just quickly, and then I'm going to come to you, Jans, to wrap. We've talked on free, medium freeze, free, fun, yet to be for real situations. Cleveland, Charlotte, Minnesota. Ranking top to bottom, if you could choose any of those situations, who, who's in the best one? Who's in the worst one? Who's in between? Oh, and, then, and then, Jans, you go after. That's a hard question, you know, because I think all of them are in, like, a good situation. But I think Cleveland and Charlotte right now, they have, I think they have a better collection of players. I think, right, I think like, Cleveland and Charlotte have, like, three to four players that you could say could be, like, stars. And then they have some good pieces around that. Whereas Minnesota have, like, two players who you could say could be stars. And they have some good pieces around that. You know what I mean? Um, I think in terms of like flexibility, all teams, all of those teams will good flexibility. I, I say right now, Charlotte is in the best position because they have, of all the, of all the young players we've talked through, they have the best one. Then I'd say Cleveland, just because they have so much flexibility in their roster in terms of youth, in terms of like potential top end talent, in terms of moves they can make. Then I say Minnesota because we're kind of like we have two players on max contracts and Cleveland and Charlotte don't. <laughs> that's that's the big difference, yeah. In terms of what yeah, you so, can do in the market. And then, and Anthony Evans is gonna be on a max contract within the next like you'll probably at the end of next season he'll have his renewal and you'll be on a max contract the season after that. So we we have some like tough decisions to make in terms of like where we like see this team going because like right now we're still like below 500 like Charlotte and Cleveland they're comfy above 500 you know what I mean so they're better right now and they have kind of more flexibility in terms of where they could go so yeah that's that's I'd rank it I'd say Charlotte Cleveland Charlotte Minnesota I know that I know that was the Mobley factor there just playing on the back yeah, of the yeah, yeah. 
Yarns, what are we saying? Is your bias going to reign supreme or, or Minnesota or Cleveland got, got a better setup right now? You know, it's interesting because I'd go as far as to say, you know, out of all of them, having the duo of Cat, well, the Cat of, the, cat, the duo of Cat and Anthony Edwards together is a better duo than anything anyone else can put up. I just think the whole, I just think the PR teams for Cleveland and the Hornets are just doing a little bit better right now, you know? No one cares about, no, no one cares about Minnesota, let's be real. They're basically, hey, bro, they're basically, you a, Euro, got, they're basically a Euro League team, like. Um, you <laughs> lot are basically <laughs> Besiktas. Mom's <laughs> life, yeah. Okay. Guess how, much, guess how much national TV games we had this season? Good. One against the Lakers. <laughs> That was Pence within as a Lakers national TV game. Who are they playing? It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it. So, that's it. Yeah, One. I feel like the I feel like the PR teams for the uh, for the Hornets have done a mad job actually over the past few years. The rebrands gone really well. Perfect storm ones. Um, I'm gonna take the Hornets with some nice bias, uh, and then I'll go Cleveland. And then I will go Minnesota. But uh, I think I could very much make an argument that Cat is it's the tight. best player out of it's all of these. No, no, Cat is the best player. I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking about the young players. Young players. Reams's one is Reams's point about contracts is a really big one because I think I think so. No, there's just no one on on the, either of those other two teams where you think like D'Angelo, we're paying a guy 34 million a year or whatever the max is, and we're not a hundred percent on him being part of the future, like. Cleveland are in a position now where they might not even extend Sexton. They're in a position where they can have freedom of choice. Charlotte, same sort of thing. Like they've got Rozier signed up for a little bit, but he's he's proven worth that money. And then I guess you could argue Charlotte the Hayward. Hayward money is a bit of a, a a sticky one, but but it depends. I don't know what Michael Jordan's attitude is to the tax, but but I do think Cleveland have that flexibility where they're not bound by any sort of of a contract thing, but but yeah, I think Cat Cat is the best. Cat is not only the best player right now out of everyone there, but I think a Ant is the most slept on of all of the. If you look at Mobley, Garland, Lamelo, and and Ant and Bridges, I think Ant is the most slept on out of all of those. So it isn't. It's an interesting one, but but yeah, I'm gonna I'm I, gonna be keeping a little lie. In into, Tom Toro is free agent in 2022. Oh dear. Now I think he's a an extension. I think he's Has agreed, he? yeah, which kicks in then. But I don't. I think he agreed more money recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What kind of money? I can't sports remember off the top of my head. Go on, sports, sports, sports. Rack us up. So I'm sure it was like the beginning of this year. Um, he what, got, is he looking at like 19 million, 20 million? I think it's more. I think it's like 25, 26. So it's a lot of money. They need him Whoa, to carry. That's on. A, that, that, yeah, they need oh, him to carry. Right. Okay. Sorry, boys. I know we shouldn't be doing this live on the pod. It, no, yes, you're right. It's, it's, uh, it's a base salary, 21, 21 mil, 23 mil, then 24 mil, then 26 mil, taking okay. to... That's not as bad as what I thought. So that's like 22. Another important thing to consider as well that I forgot is that Miles Bridges turned down his extension this summer and bet on himself. Yeah, he's now, he's gonna be himself. All, now he's going to be an all-star and he's going to get I the max. I forgot about <laughs> so, that. Yeah. You know going to get the max as well. Listen, those contract situations, maybe Cleveland has to go top of all of that because they've got that pure yeah, flexibility. Yeah, Cleveland, yeah, Cleveland, Fuck. Cleveland's number one. <laughs> Cleveland's number yeah, one for pure cool. flexibility. But this is the most thing. I think, I think they've got less pieces than Charlotte. But more flexibility, so it's, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. Yeah, definitely. Very I think Char- I think I think Charlotte got all the pieces they need, except for a big. Yeah, and I feel like they, they, they have guards, they have wings, they have fours. I mean, they have young players. Like they got like a guy like Boot Knight, who next year might get big minutes, and he could be like a little spark plug off the bench. Like they got pieces, you know what I mean? Word. Yeah, I definitely enough to swing a trade for a big as well. Last last one, yeah, before we wrap up. Last storyline on the Hornets as to how it's been a fantastic little season. Man, I'm just watching Ish Smith. Ish Smith time is, to be alive. Ish Smith is a great little player. player. The, the fastest Bro, player I've ever seen on a basketball court. What a fun player to have on my team, dog. This I'm guy comes on. Class. Ish Smith always kills Ish the Celtics as well, Ish, by the way. Ish Smith kills Ish, Ish. Chris Middleton and Ish Smith always murder the Celtics. Let me explain something to you. If Smith has made an 11-year career in the NBA by being the fastest player on the court, 
Like literally, that's that's what he, that's the only thing he has over anyone else he's playing against. Bro, he made an eleven-year career just out being the fastest player on the wall. This, do you know what, this guy is such a fun shot maker. Fun shot maker. Hey, right. I've got I've got the teams right here from 2010. Houston Rockets. I'm just going to read them out. They're basically one a year, sometimes two a year. Memphis, Golden State, Orlando, 2013, Milwaukee, Phoenix, Oklahoma. Philadelphia 76ers, which I remember 2015, I started really seeing Ish Smith for Philly and going, oh yeah, fair play. 2015, New Orleans Pelicans. In Detroit is when I really started seeing them. Yeah. yeah, Detroit for three years, 2016 to 2019. Two year stint at the Wizards and now he's at the Hornets. 11 years done. The Robert Earnshaw of the NBA. He's always going to get himself on a team. He's always going to get himself on a team. Word. Wait, I was up for Ish when when we got Schroeder, and I wasn't sure about it. I was like, yes, I'll take Ish, but yeah. All right, boys, listen, that's that's a good way to wrap on uh, on Ish Smith, uh, and and may we all be a successful. I bet, I bet they never. Hear, I bet they never expected to hear no Ish Smith's propaganda nah, on this nah. <laughs> Hey, that's because I know ball, bro. All right, I'm not here to talk about like LeBron drama. Do you know what? We did really well. All star aside, we've gone through a whole NBA podcast without mentioning that guy, which is better than some people in America and Fox and ESPN are able to do. Boys, thanks so much for your time. It's been, it's been, it's been good. And they're three teams which, if people are still locked and listening, I do encourage just keep it alive. Box scores, stats, video clips. They're three very exciting little teams to watch and, and all in really good situations for the next few years. So, so yeah, nice one. Boys, we'll see which of those medium threes come out big, but Thanks for your time. Blessings, man. Sports Social Podcast Network.